When I was a kid, our family had just one telephone. It was a heavy green device with a rotary dialer, a separate handset with a curly cord, and another cord between the base and the kitchen wall. Because it was fixed to our home, as was everyone's back then, we worked around its limitations. Playmates could only call after school, Dad's clients could only reach him after work. And receiving a call on, on a Saturday often meant charging in from the backyard and collecting a stubbed toe or a grazed elbow on the way. G'day, it's Peter, and welcome to Office Anywhere, a simple little podcast about working and living on your terms, whether that's cutting coat on the deck of a Balinese villa, crafting ad copy from a cafe in Portland, Oregon, or building websites from a home office in Melbourne, Australia. If you've had enough of the daily commute and the limitations that working in an office imposes, or you're already working remotely, but you want to explore some of the doors that it opens for you, then this is the podcast for you. To learn more about Office Anywhere, just go to officeanywhere.co. Back then, we did things at pre-agreed times. We met under the clocks at Flinders Street Station at midday, or we popped in for a coffee at a friend's house at four. People were generally punctual because if they weren't, there was no way to reach them once they'd left their home or their office. I was actually the first one in our family to buy a mobile phone, a cell phone. It cost me thousands of dollars and had a battery life of about two hours. When PDAs, personal digital assistants, became a thing, well, I had to have one of those too. First, I had one of those sharp Zoruses and then a few pocket PCs and later a collection of Palm Pilots. My habits back then suggested that I wanted to be organised and I wanted to be mobile. I remember from a very young age, I craved autonomy and the power to work efficiently from anywhere. I just needed the technology to catch up. Well, fast forward to today and all of us are spoiled for choice. Thanks to the internet, affordable cloud-based software, and the democratisation of knowledge, my dreams, and yours, are finally realised. We really can work from almost anywhere. So, following on from my last post, which was earning the right to work remotely, the question becomes, what tools do we need to be successful as a remote worker? Well, based on my 20 plus years of untethered work, I believe they fall into three very closely related categories. They are accountability, communication, and productivity. So let's look at each of them, including the tools that have enabled me to serve my employer and my clients in a professional, efficient manner. As we go through them, you'll notice that there's quite a lot of overlap. So your job, therefore, is to select the fewest number of tools to achieve the outcome of being an accountable, collaborative, and productive worker. If you nail those, then you'll be a highly sought-after asset to your employer, to your clients, and your own business. But first, I want to give you a tip. Now, I know from personal experience that it's natural to resist learning a new tool, even if it promises to save us time and money. Typically, our lizard brain trots out the excuse that we're too busy to learn yet another tool. Its job, the amygdala, is to stop us doing anything unfamiliar, disguising it as mortally dangerous to our safety and well-being. My advice to you then is to ignore those messages and instead invest a fraction of your time learning how to do things better. You'll make up that lost time in spades soon after, I promise. So let's look at the first one, accountability. And this is really the main thing that most employers are concerned about when we seek to work remotely. Without a doubt, certainly in my opinion, one of the greatest benefits of working remotely is the elimination of distractions. I can't work with noise unless I choose it myself. I'm talking about stuff like Roger Waters or <clears throat> of Monsters and Men or Coldplay, or if it's the white noise of a public space like a cafe. I really must control my environment if I'm going to be productive. 
Now, if Sophie is crapping on about her rebellious teenage daughter just three feet away from me, or Jeff decides to wander up to my desk to brag about his team's win over the long weekend, I'm screwed. Nothing gets done. So working remotely benefits my productivity and my happiness by giving me long, unbroken stretches of deep work. However, there's a problem with that. If I'm not careful, it can mean that I forget to tell my colleagues where where I'm up to with a project. The problem with that is most people are sceptical and they'll assume that if they haven't heard from us in a while, well, we must be surfing or shopping or maybe even working our way through a Netflix marathon. So the number one thing we must be when working remotely is accountable. Your colleagues, clients and bosses need to know what you're doing and how things are tracking. Now, over time, if you're consistently good at delivering projects on time, well, they'll loosen the reins a bit and expect fewer updates. But the rule of thumb is more transparency is definitely better than less. The way most people handle this is via spreadsheets and email. But there are two problems with this. One, there's no central repository for viewing project status. And two, email is a terrible audit trail of communications. To be efficient, you need a single source of truth, not a scattered collection of files and emails across multiple domains and multiple people. I've tried a range of tools to manage projects, including things like Trello, Asana, and Monday.com. However, the one I keep coming back to is Basecamp. As I mentioned in my previous post, it's simple to learn, it's easy to use, and it does most things really well. I'm talking about things like task lists, scheduling, file storage, messaging, and live chat. Also, you get unlimited projects and unlimited people for about $99 a month US. Now that might sound pricey, but when you consider the tools that it replaces, it's actually very good value. Another thing I really like is the guys who created Basecamp are living proponents of remote work, with 50 team members scattered across 32 cities around the world. Jason Fried and David Hanemeyer Hansen literally wrote the book on remote work, so they understand what people like us need, and more importantly, what we don't. And that book incidentally is called Remote. If Basecamp's pricing is a bit rich for you, well then try Paymo. I've been using this for a little while now and I really like it. They offer a free plan for single users that includes project management, time tracking, reporting, and a gigabyte of storage. However, even their dearest plan, which includes a ton of extra features, including unlimited storage, is less than 16 bucks US a month. Both Basecamp and Paymo include file storage in their plans, but if a central repository for data storage is all you need, then Dropbox is probably the gold standard. They have a free plan with two gigabytes of storage, plus two other levels with one terabyte and two terabytes respectively, plus a bunch of smart features for file sharing, offline access, security controls, including remote device wipe, and multi-device syncing. A possible alternative to Dropbox is Google One although I'm a little bit wary of their uh, capacity to scan content for building advertising data. I currently use its backup and sync feature for online backups, but I've also used it for sharing files with clients. If you need to work on a document with someone else in real time, then try Google Docs. It's a free cloud-based alternative to Microsoft Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. As a Windows Office user since Windows 95, I've only just started using it because, well, old habits die hard, but so far it's excellent. Another thing you need to consider is monitoring the hours that you put into projects. Our lives are metered out one hour at a time, and those hours add up very quickly. At my age, I'm 51, you become acutely aware of time's value. So monitoring it and charging for it becomes essential. Whenever I allow someone to waste my time, I'm literally letting them steal a portion of my life that could be spent with my kids, my wife, my mum, or my dad. That's something I just can't accept anymore. 
If you value your life, in other words, your time, track how many hours you're spending on projects and tasks. Tools like Paymo have timer functionality baked into their software. But another tool that I really like is Harvest. I've used it for over three years to monitor my hours, broken down by client, project, and task. And it reminds me when there's a period of inactivity on my computer, and even emails me when I forget to stop a timer. It can also track project-related expenses, billing rates, and a bunch of other things. Other alternatives that you might like to look at are Toggle, T-O-G-G-L, Hours, or My Hours. Of course, you'll want to get paid for your work and report all expenses for taxes, and there are dozens of tools you can use for that. I've been a very satisfied Zero user for over five years, that's X-E-R-O. Now that's not to say it's the best, it probably isn't, but it's been a smooth experience, so I've stuck with it. I especially like that it's popular with accountants. Mine has his own login to my accounts, so he can jump in when it's required, and he can fix all the errors that I make, which happens pretty often. Um, FreshBooks is a popular alternative and it's got a delightful jargon-free user interface. Unfortunately, it's not available in Australia where I live, uh, but another one you might consider is QuickBooks. So let's get on to the next thing, communication. I believe there's no better calling card than the quality of your work. A close second is the quality of your communication. Also, few things position you in the minds of others than the way you communicate, and that includes the channels, the frequency, and the style of your written and spoken words. All of them should be tailored to your audience and the expectations and the protocols that they carry. For example, some of my colleagues refuse to engage with Basecamp, even though its messaging and its chat features are excellent, and they'll only respond to emails. For them, learning a new tool, even a super simple one like Basecamp, is just a bridge too far. I've had some who are hopeless at responding even to emails, and they'll never engage with a project unless I sit with them face to face. On the other hand, I've worked with people who are decisive, trusting, and happy to communicate via the method that's fastest, like SMS, for example. The point is, it's important to know your audience and to communicate through the channels that they're most comfortable with, at a frequency that gives them peace of mind, and in a style that's relatable to them. I've worked for the same company for 22 years, and yet they still want a spreadsheet once a fortnight to see what I've done. We communicate almost daily via email, we chat on the phone every few days, and once every month or two we'll meet up for a face-to-face. I use a couple of tools for communication, email obviously being you know the most common one, but one I can't live without though is Grammarly. Proofreading your own work is fraught with risk. Like most people, I rarely notice my own errors, so it's important to have someone or something to check your work before you hit send or publish. Grammarly checks everything I write as I write it, pointing out spelling and grammar issues and offering suggested changes as I go. It works with Chrome, uh, Safari, Firefox, Outlook, and Microsoft Word. If you write anything for work, I really believe you need something like Grammarly. Speaking of writing, I've got an 80,000 word book sitting on my computer at the moment that's yet to see the light of day. I wrote it a few years ago when I was neck deep in midlifetribe.com. Back then, it was a monumental task to write it, and I don't think I would have completed it without the help of an editor in the UK named Dan Carey. Through that project, we used Slack to maintain updates to the manuscript. We bounced ideas around, and we locked in finalised chapters as we went. It was really brilliant. Slack was fantastic for that project. While it's not as feature-rich as uh, Basecamp, Slack excels as a communication tool, enabling text, voice, video, and screen sharing in the one package. File storage is a little bit limited, but it integrates with a ton of other tools, so you can augment spots where it's lacking with products like Dropbox or Google Drive, uh, even things like Salesforce and many others. 
I might publish that book someday, but thanks to Dan and Slack, it's essentially complete and ready for packaging. Other excellent communication tools include Basecamp, which I've already mentioned. Um, They've got a couple of features in there called Campfire, which is where you can congregate and chat in real time with people. Uh, A message board, which updates people who are on a project or assigned to a project. And a ping feature, which allows you to just ping an individual uh, and just talk to them directly. Uh, Another one is Google Docs, which I've already mentioned, which has excellent live document collaboration. Obviously, Skype is another big one uh, with chat, screen sharing, uh, plus voice and video calls. Another big one is GoToMeeting, which I've used for years. That's uh, similar to Skype, but with more features. Uh, Zoom, which is similar to GoToMeeting, and Google Hangouts, which is similar to Skype. Sometimes one of the best ways to communicate an idea, I find, especially with something that's a bit complicated, is with a short video. I've used about half a dozen uh, different tools over the last few years, but the two that really stand out for me are Loom, L-O-O-M, and ScreenFlow. ScreenFlow, in my opinion, is hands down the best, thanks to its amazingly effective video editor. I've used at least half a dozen video editing tools from Premiere Pro down to iMovie and Windows Movie Maker, but ScreenFlow is easily my favorite. The bottom line is you really want to tie all project-related communications to the project itself if possible. That way, you're not fishing around through old emails, calls, and text messages to try and determine who said what to whom about such and such. I know it's not always going to be possible, but if you can use a tool like Basecamp or Paymo or Slack, you can still share updates via email and have them tracked within the application. Okay, let's look at the last one, Productivity. With the exception of email, which can easily become a productivity killer, all the tools I've mentioned so far will help you work more productively, providing you take the time to learn to use them properly. But thanks to most providers' own tutorials and the blessing that is YouTube, it's all pretty easy these days to figure something out. However, there's one tool and two practices that I believe will give you more productivity gains than just about anything. The first one is to disable all non-essential device alerts. For me, that means no social media, email, or project management tool alerts. For you, it might be a different combination, but the bottom line is you can't be effective if something is binging you all the time. The disruption to whatever you're working on is just too great. Switching your attention from one thing to another can have a 40% impact on the time it takes to complete both. I've included a link to a great example that illustrates this in very simple terms on the blog post that corresponds with this podcast episode. Just go to officeanywhere.co slash 69. The second one is to schedule everything with one app. Whether you use your phone's calendar app or Outlook or Google Calendar or another tool, make sure everything you do is scheduled and that everything you schedule syncs to the one app on your phone. And the third thing is, And this is a big one. Prioritize everything from the most important to the least and stay with one until it's done. Now, when I say most important, sometimes the most urgent may come up to number one as the most important as well. But oftentimes the things that we think are urgent aren't as important. So focus on what's most important. If you can't get everything done this way, then I promise you'll never get them done any other way. My calendar always has two to four priorities for the day and I number them one to four. And I always start with number one and I don't budge until it's done. Now to clarify what I mean by done, that might mean completed, completely finished, or it might mean that I work on it from say 7am till 9.30am because that's what I've allocated to it for that day. Now let's talk about email briefly. 
Email was a brilliant invention, but what a scourge it's become. Few things destroy productivity and creativity quite like email, with the possible exception of cats of Instagram. I have a simple set of rules for email that has transformed the way I use it and the level to which I let it disrupt me. Many people live inside their inbox and because of that, they never get any real work done. So rather than repeat it all here, um, go to officeanywhere.co slash 69 and you'll see a link there to a post that I wrote a while ago that has a section in it called kicking your email in the balls. (laughs) Okay, let's look at something else. Um, Morning rituals, should you have one? We all hear about morning rituals. Um, The short answer is yes. The long answer is you don't need to meditate or journal or face the sunrise chanting affirmations but do create something that works for you because how you start your day has an enormous impact on how the rest of the day goes personally i'm a fan of starting early between 5 30 and 6 a.m because there are no distractions no one else is up and i feel like i'm getting a jump on the day plus i can work on something that matters to me like this podcast and the blog before i tackle less enjoyable tasks that way Even before I begin my, in quotation marks, normal part of my day, I feel like I'm winning. Now, in this early part of the day, some people exercise. And, well, I'm woefully sporadic when it comes to that. Uh, Others like to visualize stuff. I tend to do that a whole lot better when I'm not forcing it, like when I'm driving, for example. The point is, having some kind of routine that you repeat each morning does a few very important things. First, it shows to yourself that you're in control of your life. Instead of hitting the snooze button five times, you're waking at a time you decide so that you can do something that you want to do. And that's a huge difference. Second, it eliminates that panic state that most people experience when they wake. Instead, you begin your day at a deliberate pace. And third, it creates incremental progress on something that matters to you, whether that's exercising or writing or creating art or developing a piece of software, whatever it is. Great progress generally doesn't happen in surges. It happens 1% at a time, but it's compounded over a stretch. So do a little of something that you care about each morning and you'll be amazed at where you'll be 12 months out. Okay, let's look look at productivity in relation to stress. Not long ago, uh, in fact only a couple of weeks ago, I lost a friend and a colleague after she suffered a cardiac arrest. At the moment, I still don't know exactly what triggered it, but I know that she was stressed about work because she called me a few weeks before she died and told me. Lizzie was only 45. I had a mild heart attack myself in my late 30s, and I remember how terrified I was at two in the morning. The thought of leaving my little girls scared the hell out of me. It really did. I remember when it happened. I had just gone to bed because I was working late as usual, stressing about a particular client. And I felt this terrible pain shoot down my arm. And I knew that that was a, a real sign of a heart attack. I remember I got up out of bed and my first thought was not to wake anyone. I didn't want anyone to panic. And I went down to the other end of the house and sat there on the couch struggling to breathe and struggling to overcome this panicking feeling of this might be my last day on earth and I might leave my two little girls behind. So... These days, I'm acutely aware of the symptoms when they arise. Typically, any tightness in my chest or throat is my body telling me to slow down or take a break. I've learned that pushing through does two things. It kills my productivity, which makes pushing through kind of pointless, and it negatively affects my health, which is equally pointless. These days, I'm less stressed but more productive because of a few important practices. 
Number one, I take short breaks throughout the day. And I suggest, if you haven't heard of it, to check out the Pomodoro technique. And there's a link to that from this post. Uh, Number two, stand up for part of the day. I've got a brilliant desk. It's called an uplift electric desk. Now, considering that sitting is now considered the new smoking, alternating between sitting and standing throughout the day um, keeps me fresh and a lot less stiff than I used to be. And the thing you notice too is that when you're sitting all day, all your organs in your body are compressed the whole day. It's, It's just not natural. So standing up makes you feel a whole lot better than sitting all day. The third thing is I time block my work. If I say I'm going to spend two hours on a task, I don't let anything interrupt that. And the fourth thing is I change locations on a regular basis. What I'll do is I'll work on our backyard deck, especially on sunny mornings. I'll work in my garage or in the dining room. And when the weather's nice, I sometimes jump in my convertible and I head off for the mountains or to a nearby lake. You'll be amazed at what you can accomplish in your car with a simple voice memo app on your phone. And this remains one of my ultimate productivity hacks. I even wrote a whole post about that, which um, you'll find a link to on this post at officeanywhere.co slash 69. I believe with all my heart that working remotely is one of the best things you can do for your health, for your happiness and your work. Being able to work and therefore live on your terms radiates into so many areas of your life. It has the ability to literally change your life. By using a few powerful tools and some results-driven practices that I've mentioned in this post, in this episode, I can be drafting a website in my home office one day and then write a course guide up on Mount Torbrook the next. And that's exactly what I'm about to do this weekend. I'm happy to say I'm heading off for my inaugural camping trip with my son and my dad this weekend. So I've been looking forward to this for ages and I hope it's the first of many, many camping trips for the three of us. Anyway, um, that's it for me for this week. I appreciate you hanging around with me. And uh, until next week, here's to working and living on your terms. I'll see you then. Bye.